Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, acupuncture flashbacks, the secrets of the Mayfong teenagers revealed. Also, baby air bison can't fly, and your darn tootin' it's a metaphor. Which of your three hosts sold Dave for bison steaks this week? It's Matt, Devendra, and Joanna. Hello and welcome to another episode of Republic City Dispatch. I'm Matt Patches, and here, as always, Devendra Hardwar. Hey, guys. And Joanna Robinson. Hello. And not with us is Dave with Seven Gonzalez. Um, He is off training in the Northern Air Temple with his newfound powers. He can't control them. He's a wreck, so he had to go to boot camp. Um, but he'll Imagine be back. Imagine that happened in real life. That would just be awesome. If people could just start manipulating the It would be like wind. Misfits, I think. I think it would all end up like Misfits, which is an amazing British show that not enough people have seen. It's okay. Seen Did it, it turn out well for them? Uh, they tried to bring it to America, if I recall. Well, I, I think so. It's on. It's all on Hulu now. But yeah, I'm sure you've seen it, Joanna. You're the TV addict. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yes, I have seen it. So good. It it ends up well for them until like season four, I think. Although I'm I'm imagining I just watched this teen sex comedy called Zapped with Scott Bayo from like 1983. Weekend. I was just talking about that. <laughs> it is too. It is an it's awful weekend. movie, but he. It's basically like Carrie. They they spoofed Carrie, and he has telekinetic Isn't powers. Like prune juice that gives him telekinetic powers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like some lab accident. He's a total yeah. geek, and everyone makes fun of him at school. So then, it's it's he lampoons the the Carrie revenge tale by <laughs> like pulling giving giving bullies wedgies with his con- telekinetic powers, or better yet, unclasping <laughs> the bras of of unsuspecting. That's teen I girls. It's a kids movie, right? Yeah. Well, it, that's the funny thing. It totally is a kids movie, yeah. or it's for like fifteen-year-old boys. Yeah. Um, and and yet there is a racy scene with Scott Bayo where he, uh, him and his girlfriend, or his his soon-to-be girlfriend, um, hook up. I'll say, and then they smoke cigarettes afterwards. <gasps> oh man! And I'm like, what that's year funny. is this? Oh wait, yeah, it's the early '80s where anything goes. But kids, we let's get back on track here to a more <laughs> no. appropriate. Show high minded, better, even more high minded than uh, Zapped, uh, The Legend of Korra. <laughs> We're talking about two episodes today uh, Old Wounds and Original Airbenders. Devendra, what happened in these episodes? Give us the so Dave, the, the, the brief version of the Dave summary. <laughs> sure. So uh, I, I should say I was not here for the podcast last week. So I ended up seeing um, last week's two episodes and this week's all at the same time. So it's all kind of a blur to me. I know, Joanna, you went through the same thing. Um, but well, that's binge watching two thought. hours of an hour long. So Indeed. that's not too and crazy. It felt, it felt good. It made me really want a core movie. But yeah, Old Wounds is kind of like wrapping up the storyline that began with the Metal Clan and which kind of tells us the uh, the background between Lynn Beifong and her sister Sue and kind of the stuff going on with their relationship, which is interesting to me, too, because uh, I guess we, we see the origins of the scar on Lynn Beifong's face. And yeah, it's, the Indiana Jones moment. Yeah, and it's not from just like a crazy you know, uh, raid on some, you know, criminals compound or something. It's her sister. It made me really sad. Um, I don't know. It's just all this stuff she's living with. So I, I really liked this storyline because it gives us some time to focus on Lynn. They kind of recoup and, you know, it's interesting too to see like um Korra within this universe. Uh they're they have this great fight and Korra's like, should I even should I even like get into this? Should I stop them? <laughs> I don't know. So it was great stuff. Uh, and we see Toph finally in this show, too. Or at least a flashback to Toph. I think, I think we've seen her yeah. silently standing oh, yes. in the background, but this is the yes, first yes, time yes. we hear her voice. I do, yeah. So, and that was nice. And I hope we get to, because one of the things I heard at the beginning of the show, too, was that Toph was somewhere in the world. We didn't know yeah. she was alive or dead. And now they confirmed within these past few episodes that Toph is still out there and nobody's seen her. Yeah, she's so, roaming. I cannot wait for the eventual Toph like reveal, and hopefully it'll be more awesome and exciting than the uh, the Zuko reveal for Corp. But you didn't like? Hey, I'm here. Should we go fight? <laughs> and I have a dragon now. But I also have a dragon. I'm off. A dragon <laughs> off into the sky. 
<laughs> totally normal. And then original Airbenders takes us back to the Northern uh, Air Temple uh, to see Tenzin try to, you know, start training these new Airbenders. And guys, I, I think the surprising thing here is that Tenzin is a terrible teacher. I don't know what? how he went so long <laughs> in his life. Like, was Korra his only student? Yes. I don't know. I mean, is, besides is, his kids, pretty much, right? I mean, but he has his kids. I mean, clearly there are other there are other people, there are acolytes who don't have airbending powers but maybe are there that he like he's just not a good teacher because he does not know how to engage these kids so i really like this one too because it kind of shows how they can integrate boomy into the airbending storylines and shows tenzin's kind of maturing too uh, as Janora grows up and trying to understand that difference there it was a long feel like it was a, a, like an episode long version of that musical number from mulan um <laughs> i'll make a man out of you wow sort of <laughs> Well, it's like, it, it's weird. I liked we, it. We, we just called weird. for a mashup video there. <laughs> so good. If you can't read between the lines, everybody. Yeah. But whenever we get these Tenzin-centric episodes, I almost feel like they're kind of just treading time a little. or Because it feels like we're not progressing with the greater Ooh. plot. Yeah. But this is not as bad as last season. Okay, where good. It was we might Tenzin, have to throw down about that. Yeah, it was not Tenzin wandering around looking for Janora. This is like... <laughs> Him trying to come to terms with the fact that he's probably not a great teacher and he needs to figure out how to help people engage with this stuff. Because it's funny. I mean, after his uh, his attempts to you know woo people over to airbending with all the work that's involved to become an air nomad, like he's not learned a thing. He's not learned anything about how to get people interested in what they're doing. Um, it's it's just I, I'm a little worried what they're doing with the character because I figured he was a little smarter than this. Hey, I've seen a lot of great yeah. teachers fall in this way <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there before we'll get there. before we yeah. tackle both of these episodes and with in-depth conversation um just a reminder <laughs> to everyone that you have so many means to communicate with us and uh, relay your feelings about the show or your theories uh your reactions uh of course we're on republiccitydispatch.com where we post the episodes and there's comments and there's reblogging like i said last week i love the reblogging when people um write their own basically blog posts about the episodes and, and mm -hmm. bring us into the conversation it makes me very aware of how people feel about uh, the conversations we have on this show, plus their own feelings about the episodes. So I highly recommend that. And I also recommend iTunes reviews. If you don't subscribe to the show on iTunes, that's fine. I understand. But it makes it so easy. And it also gets Republic City Dispatch out into podcast culture, pop culture, culture, what? Um, it, and we've <laughs> had some really culture. great, we've, yeah, yeah, pod culture. We've had some really great iTunes reviews, not just praise, which we appreciate, or five stars, that's good too, but um, some real critical comments about the show and just thoughts about all of Legend of Korra. For some reason, people have taken to iTunes to be like, <laughs> let me discuss all three seasons and tell you about television in general, uh, which I adore. So yeah. iTunes reviews, subscribe to the show, leave thoughts, there's so many ways. Now let's get to talking about these two episodes. You two have the pleasure of watching this all in one big kind of arc, the way I think it was meant to be seen. If we didn't yeah, have this yeah. whole leak situation, if we weren't rushing to put the Legend of Korra episodes out on television, perhaps Metal Clan and uh, Old Wounds would have been paired. It just seems like they should have been, and they, yeah. they are narratively. Um, talk to me about that two episode arc since we didn't get to hear your feelings about metal clan too much. Um, and just about how it kind of swelled to this crescendo episode of old wounds. Um, so this is Anne Heche, right? As Sue. Uh, Sue Yin. I think her name Sue is Yin. Sue Yin, which rhymes yeah. with Lin. I'm like, who are you people naming these children? Rhyming names? Come on. <laughs> um, I don't like, I liked it a lot. And, and, I know that Lynn Beifong is a is a favorite among some of you, so I was glad to, she got that. Devendra focus. has been calling for this. Yeah, arc yeah. Since <laughs> metal bending, guys. It is all about metal bending for sure. Um, and I did. I loved that you patches called her like a liberal arts cool mom. Uh, <laughs> If she were my sister, I would despise her. <laughs> she actually drinks green. No, they serve yeah. green juice shakes at yeah. the metal clan. They, I'm like, oh my they god, know what they're doing. Pale. This yeah. is Brooklyn. Pale. Yeah, and like you know, the sculptor son, and the you know, the athlete boys, and the perfect opal. I don't know. Just her whole tour, smug tour of her city <laughs> that she built really bothered me. So I was on Team Lynn, um, even though Lynn was clearly the one who was like a rage monster and out of control. Yeah. Um, the you know the the acupuncture sort of gimmick was was okay 
but I did like getting the flashback. It is interesting when people have basically the same hairstyle their whole lives, so you can recognize them in flashbacks. But, um, <laughs> and then I, but I, I feel like the big moment is that, um, is that scar origin and finding out that it's her sister that inflicted it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that moment didn't land quite as like traumatic hmm. as I sort of hoped it would. Cause it was like, it, it was sort of an accident. It wasn't, I, I don't know. It, it wasn't like mm-hmm. serious sister on sister violence there. So, um, but I liked it. I love, I love this whole new world. I loved all the characters that we met. Um, some classic Bolin comedy, a really good double episode. Bolin has become the romantic go-to guy, I guess, because uh, he's single and ready Mako to mingle. Sucks. Mako's boring. <laughs> Mako's Aww. so boring. Mako's just too sad and boring, and Bolin's the funny one. Yeah. Uh, his his yeah his endless romantic tales, I think, are hilarious. But Mako yeah, isn't. Well, let me stand up for Mako yeah. here for one go, second. Go. He's not boring. He is tender. Okay, you can't introduce <laughs> a romantic angle into the uh, to the Mako story right now. It's too. It's too tender, you know? They just broke up. <laughs> but he just hasn't had much to do. He's yeah, just been he's just hanging around. He gave yeah, away his yeah. scarf. He's, like, lost his identity. He's going to have to spring back. We've already seen in the trailer that he has some slow-mo action scenes, yeah. so get ready for that. Oh, we actually didn't get any, yeah, we didn't really get any standalone Mako scenes, really, in Old Wounds. Yeah. It's no. just all Bolin. Him and Asami are kind of sidelined for both of these. Oh, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, uh, but my favorite Bolin comedy wasn't wasn't a romantic romantically related it's when he was talking about the banana sculpture <laughs> he was just like the button at the end of that joke where he's like banana it's a banana like i'm sorry <laughs> I, that guy doing bowen is great actually it. he it's has so a he has another really funny line in this episode where or in old wounds where he's talking about why he hasn't metal bended or uh P- pabu is on his shoulder and he's afraid of getting pabu <laughs> venom or something yeah. pj Byrne just does does the improv the judd apatow improv thing where you just keep mumbling lines and he's like the venom the pump of venom yeah i got the i got the venom maybe uh and i just thought that was hysterical and correct not romantic that totally works uh one thing too like seeing so that you know that's the episode where we see chorus start to metal bend we see bowling get into it did we ever see ang try to uh to metal bend no and we've had some outraged commenters on huh. this point that uh, Korra is the first metal bending avatar how dare she yeah she's what, a woman. ang couldn't figure it out what the heck it did make me, it made me surprised because Aang was there when metal bending was discovered. So what was he? I realized they were, you know, trying to save the world and everything. But uh, he couldn't find some time to he learn metal bending. a lot of bending. peacekeeping operations. <laughs> <laughs> it's time consuming. Never in his adulthood. He, he wasn't like as metal bending became like the uh, that's like somebody who, you know, saw the rise of technology and was like, I, I don't care about computers. Yeah. Your, your grandpa <laughs> yeah. was like, I don't need to know. Don't need this. It's the lifeblood of the modern world. Don't worry about it. Back in my day, we shaped metal with hammers. <laughs> <laughs> um, another older episode comment that I want to make. Sorry, this is totally not fair that I'm just talking about the older episodes. But fine. when Zaheer shows up, like having shaved off all his hair, and I was just really proud of myself <laughs> <laughs> that I recognized Zaheer. And then I really quickly realized that it was supposed to be really obvious that it was Zaheer. Yeah, he has like an like, X on his forehead. <laughs> or his- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It made me but really was, sad for the investigative prowess of everybody in our temple. I was like, guys, like, wasn't there some sort of alert? Everyone's there. too young for that, though. No one really I, knows. But the th- there was never any alert. Like, hey, by the way, somebody may be trying to get the airbenders at some Yeah, point. but maybe they sent out the photo of him with his long hair and his beard. And they're like, it, that doesn't look like our new clean-shaven recruit. Um, I know. I know Kaya got it. That moment where it just clicked for her and then they just launched into a fight, I think, was pretty awesome. And but, Kaya was great in that yeah, fight. That's the yeah. coolest Kai has been so great now back on to old wounds (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) no you you deserve this moment you deserve this moment you weren't here last week i wanted i wanted to hear you talk about zahir's x marks the spot bad guy explanation (laughs) um but i am curious about so devinder back to something that Mm -hmm. you alluded to here oh no actually joanna you you said this um that maybe this whole backstory thing didn't have the impact that you hoped it would, um, even though, I mean, we learn so much. Uh, and it comes at us in a furious way, right? Uh, we only mm-hmm. have half an hour. And I think this, these are the moments where you wish Cora had a little more time yeah. to expand. I really like the 
um, I'm cutting a line and it hits you. Like it's not a direct hit, right? It's an accident. Their relationship is, has so much friction that um, there, there's collateral damage in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this feels more like a three-episode arc than a two-episode arc, basically. Yeah. It feels like they tried to cram a lot in and the acupuncture stuff. It's like, oh, this is another thing in Korra, which leads people to having flashbacks or crazy dream sequences. Isn't that convenient? Right. This could have been uh, a whole um, like Hong Kong or Korean crime drama. Right. With like the the police woman sister and the, the running with the triad sister. Indeed. Like, and then, then Toph just covering it all up. I think that was glossed over really quickly. Even yeah, that's a big deal. A big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Toph is like, I'm the chief of police. What else am I supposed to do? I was like, not this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, and then Lynn just didn't seem to have any nuance in the mm-hmm. she was just stick in the mud yeah sister no no shades of of anything what would have been better i think is if they had shown the two of them being close first mm-hmm. and then some sort of teenage rift that would have given so much more emotional weight but that's to it. false like, i mean they're not close that when you hear that they're half sisters don't you imagine a divide isn't there an automatic divide there in some way that they're just not they're not blood relatives they've been produced in like two vacuums in some well, they're way they're still blood they're, relatives they're just very they feel very different i guess they're yeah. both yeah they're both Toph's daughter yeah. i like that that's that Toph, like never married and had like just had two kids two girls <laughs> so two different dudes that, that's, that's so i feel like that is a well of of <laughs> question marks that is going to go on answered um, and that i'm going to be thinking about till the end of time like what? the other running theme in cora by the way is that all of the characters we loved are terrible parents they just uh, they are not good okay at, you know taking care of and listening to their kids and raising them uh, well one of our commenters rob grizzly uh said that he thought that the ang backstory that ang was a bad dad mm-hmm. is less believable than toff being a bad mom do you agree <laughs> sure, with that sure I agree with that. But really? just the Toph thing, because she was never a warm and fuzzy kind of character. Like, I believe that. Whereas Aang always seemed like somebody who would, he he was a little bit of a sentimental guy. Like, he would listen to people. He was, he was as the Avatar, that was a really, that was one of his strengths. And Toph was just But that's also that. one of his problems, that he's, right. a, he's a man of the people, right? Sure, How can sure, you be sure. a great dad if everyone is your child sure. in some yeah, way? Yeah, if you're everyone's dad, I it just that. It feels like we're repeating the same problem in, I don't know. I, I hope we don't see that eventually for other any other characters we loved. I, I um. There's a whole up. generation of bad parents because the world was at risk and the Fire Nation was at war, I guess. That's true. Not this is not an parenting. easy thing. Isn't this – this is what happened after the Depression, <laughs> the Great Depression here in America. No one was a good parent in like the 40s and 50s, right? Oh, this is going deep. Oh, gosh. I probably should I mean, call I, my mom. I, I know that um, it is already established territory, this, this – you know, how Tenzin and Bumi and Kaya uh, grew up, but – I really liked what Boomy said about never really feeling like part of the mm-hmm. Air Nation and just like his whole speech that he gave was my favorite part of that. Such episode, a lovely actually. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Although Tenzin's answer is like, you are now. And it probably should have been like, you always <laughs> have been, bro. Oi. But I Tenzin understand. Tenzin is just so like tone deaf for every yeah. single thing that's happening. He's basically autistic. He meant really well. That was still a very <laughs> lovely moment. I will always stick out for Tenzin. Um, Boomy and also Boomy coming out with the Boomju head <laughs> under his robe. I'm sorry, just I guess maybe I was really into the comedy. These, these what a goofball! Are. Yeah, <laughs> hi Jinx. I, uh, I, I gotta stick up for this Lynn storyline a little bit. It really did work for me, and I think uh, why I didn't need to see them be close. I, I from based on Metal Clan, I just felt like I could understand why these two half sisters would be at odds with each other, especially because they're so. I mean, their personalities are so different, right? Uh, Lynn just wants to be a great soldier by the books, and uh, Suyin is just everything that type of person could not stand, right? Mm-hmm. She's adventurous but, and she's yeah. rebellious, and she just wants. She loves the arts. Ugh, no son of mine's gonna love the arts. That's that's my dead poet society. <laughs> they're both impression. responses to Toph as well. Like they're both like clearly trying so hard to uh, to get their mother's approval, and I love that scene with uh, with Lynn about you know the fact that she probably wasted her whole life. <laughs> she she just kind of admitted it to her niece because she was seeking her mother's approval. It made me wonder like what else would she do? That'd be interesting. I want to see that storyline at some point. What else would Toph do? 
No, what else would Lynn be following? Oh, Lynn. Captain of industry. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> but like the, the, the slash moment was very poignant to me, and mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it goes an extra step before the big battle at the end of this episode, right, right. where we do see Toph like sweeping this under the rug and seeing these two go separate ways. I mean, that's that's what's infuriating. You say that Lynn might not have enough nuance here or that she's just really gruff and she doesn't she doesn't snap back at this decision. How can she, though? I mean, this is tough. This is like everyone's favorite. There's a freaking statue of her outside. <laughs> you don't tell this woman she's doing it wrong, right? And she's her mother. Mm-hmm. This is going to screw someone up, and I can totally buy it. Uh, I thought there was a lot of, of nuance there to pack into a very short amount of time and then to kind of expel it all in this big battle. And I love, as you mentioned in your summary, Devendra, that uh, Kor's like, should we break this fight up? And Bolin's like, nope, siblings fight. And yes. I'm like, yep, they do. Yes, they do. And they have to, right? Siblings have to fight. They don't usually involve like wanton uh, property destruction, though. That's true. I've never thrown a boulder at my sister. The banana statue got it, man. (laughs) I want the I want the banana sculptor to meet um, the twins. I think they would get along really well. And then the emo Airbender guy, making all. (laughs) Oh yeah, John Hader. They're all going to sit on one side of the uh, lunchroom, mumbling, glowering with their arms crossed. I love it. How is that? How is that not a hot topic shirt already? The four of them, <laughs> future merchandise needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, so what did you think of the? If if I agree with you guys in in how rushed this episode was in one way, it's um, Lynn's turnaround after this battle. She faints, and then all of a sudden she's drinking green juice and smiling. <laughs> and I'm like, where's there? There's might be a beat missing there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And our our oft commenter uh, love waffle. It really went off in our comments on, on RepublicCityDispatch.com about, like, how much he could not stand this turnaround and how quickly it happened. And I tend to agree with that. There's, yeah. a, there's a missing beat. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what I needed to see Lynn kind of wake up and feel. Maybe it's just reflect on the fact that there has been this giant rift between her and her sister for so long and it doesn't yeah. really make any sense and that she is a good person or at least she can change and that Lynn hasn't changed at all. And, it, you know, that doesn't make sense. I don't um, think she ever really expressed terms, regret over yeah. losing her sister or losing touch with her sister for, for so 30 long. years. Yeah, that's the big that's the big beat to really hit is that, oh, my God, not only did I waste my life, you know, doing a job that I Maybe it was never really that into because my mother, but I also wasted all this time being mad at my sister when I don't know, could have reconciled. Even if my sister, I tell you, even if my sister did not give me a scar on my face, I would still, when she starts talking about her architect husband <laughs> and her son who, you know, and like makes all of her architect husband's visions come true. I was just like, oh, <laughs> the smugness is just, it smothered me. I just can't. <laughs> But but apparently what we're headed for is Zaheer and company are going to attack and we'll see those metal pods in action and all of that. Oh, yeah. They doom themselves again in this episode. They're like, oh, it's the safest city in the whole world. Don't worry. Perfect city. <laughs> it's never, never going to fall. We've got one guy who can tell people are lying and that makes everything great and we're great and we drink kale. Yeah. Sue scares me in a way about how much of an idealist she is. Like, is she some sort of... I don't I don't know. I guess she's not supposed to be scary because they've resolved. And uh, I was though, waiting though, for the turn. I was waiting for yeah. some sort of turn. The other mm-hmm. shooter to because- will probably fall, but not yeah. because of Sue necessarily. Although I I kept wondering and I I'm not schooled enough in the Iron Brand like writings to see if she is some sort of idealist character from that world. But Oh no. No, no, no. No, opposite. Not really. She's not a capitalist or <laughs> I mean, it's- she, that's not something they were really espousing in the show, at least. Like, and there's a di- big difference between the capitalism, I guess, as, as a philosophy, and then what Ayn Rand and tends utopia. to do. Yeah, yeah. Fair um, enough. I just yeah. wanted to throw that in the pool because I didn't my know. thing. The thing I was confused by is how did Zahir deduce that they were in Zaufu? Did he just? It was I a believe, lot of meditating. I have a theory. He felt it. I have a theory. I think. I think it has to do with. Um, so Janora was able to go to Kai because they have mm-hmm. some sort of connection, right? Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like maybe Zaheer has a connection to Korra and he can like haunt her mm. astral projection wise. Like we haven't seen Zaheer astral project, but his whole thing has been what? Untethering from the, the, 
earthly connection and that yes the the next level of airbending is this spirit walking thing that Janora does and Zahir mm-hmm. seems to maybe have accomplished in order to find but mostly because Korra. he meditates a lot i mean that, that that's the thing about Zahir right he became an awesome airbender while sitting in prison you know in a single room because uh, he reads a lot. Well, he, <laughs> he was studying, you know. Yeah. You guys stay in school, okay, kids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He tried hard. It was like he was prepping for the SATs for like four <laughs> years. And no, he can't claim to actually have a 1600 on the SATs before you take them. But once he became an airbender, he was able to put all the work he did into the <laughs> test. And now he uh, he schooled them. <laughs> Do yeah. kids, I, I don't think uh, the SAT is 1600 anymore. I think they went back. Yeah, they went back to it. Oh, really? They got yeah. rid of it. So they, they got rid of the essays. battle that it's like come back around. It's come back around. Yeah, because <laughs> wow. I think the other, the scoring, I'm not sure when it's going to be enacted, but they definitely switched it back around. Well, if you're wow. a kid out yeah, there who has a 2400 so. score, uh, everyone's yeah. going to make fun of you. Sorry. Lord that over <laughs> for years. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, Zahir, well, then is there any possibility at all that Zahir is somehow related to Korra? Zahir's actually Korra's father. Yeah. Um, Darth Vader's dad. Oh my God! No, please no, <laughs> please no. We've already seen all her family in book two. We can't have like a third. I know, but what if that's actually Uncle Owen? I am your father. Odalok <laughs> is actually Uncle Owen, and oh my gosh, this year is her Darth Vader. Yes. I mean, there has to be some. Why are they so? He did try and kidnap her. I, I think it's a philosophical yeah. thing for him, like the fact that this is a guy who reads, you know, the the ancient poets and studies those philosophers. Like, I think the idea of the Avatar at all seems like. Um, he, they're almost kind of like fundamentalists against oh, the Avatar. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it may be something like well, that. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, go. Uh, my big thing is like, why is Zaheer and his you know ragtag group of uh, assassins just they're they're just hanging out in Republic City? I guess they were looking they were looking to figure out where the Avatar was, but it, I almost feel like guys, you probably shouldn't hang out together. You should probably like be doing this separate or something. Well, they don't have uh, a way of communicating. They can't just like <laughs> text each other and be like, meet it, meet here. I mean, he attack. was deep undercover. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but he, he was so deep hair. undercover. Yeah. <laughs> There's a throwaway line in that section where they're about to escape Republic City, where they're like, "Should we kill the president?" Nah, nah. Just, well, let's, <laughs> oh, no, let's, it was like, yeah, that, that was their part. plan. Yeah, that was. You their still want to go through with your plan of like kidnapping the president or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, "Nope." So I guess that's why they were there. <laughs> yeah. That and the undercover plan. Do okay. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it. We and I really we don't spend a lot of time. But was the Sparky Boom Boom lady, was that everything that you wanted her to be? She took down a dragon. That's pretty cool, so good. right? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I like the little moment after her escape. By the way, that that, that was just a fantastic escape sequence. Yeah. yeah two yeah, episodes yeah. ago. But there, the moment where she and Zahir are just kissing in the car. And they're like, really, guys? Now? Right now? Yeah. This is the moment. I love that uh, the show can do that. Can yeah. go from straight action to that. And have a comedy beat with the villains. That's weird. And yeah. Water for Arms doing like. The, the ice drilling maneuver. Okay, that was awesome. That was I'm so done. cool. I'm done. Sorry. Although Sorry. people flipped over seeing Ming Hua, Water for Arms, um, mm-hmm. driving in this episode. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why that, why did that make people go ecstatic? I did not have that reaction. I'm like, yeah, of course she's driving. Those are her hands. Those are her hands. But it's also like they were driving. I was looking at the scenario, right? They're driving over a bridge, over a body of water, and they put the person who controls, you know, insane waterbending behind the car. It couldn't be like anybody else, anybody else who could be. You right. Know, she could, could just drive. swallow everything up with a giant wave. Yeah. Right? She could totally like clear out the entire. Although, come yeah. on. The action come is on. great. Every time these good. four are in one place. I mean, the car chase is Michael Bay level <laughs> explosive across the bridge here. I, I, just I wanted a bad voice awesome. T reference at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're throwing bodies out of the back of their. <laughs> or like their water for arms, like that epic bad boys shot where it's the two of them with their arms out, but it's water for arms with their arms out. Okay, anyway. that'd be great. Um, <laughs> More fanfic. And also the the other thing, the jailbreak in in uh, Bossing Say with like mm-hmm. all um, the Airbenders, that was just. Great action. Right. Action has been so good this season. It yeah. really has. And maybe that has to do with introducing airbending into the fights because mm-hmm. we really haven't seen it. And, I mean, Cora learned it right at the end of book one and it was kind of glossed over in book two. It's no longer important yeah. that she learned the skill. But now airbending is back in the conversation, back in the we're, spotlight. We're like at that part in Dragon Ball Z where everybody has superpowers now. So never Every, say, everything that. Never say we're in that part of Dragon Ball Z ever again. 
That, it get, it, it, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing right now. And also Studio Mirror. It's great to have Studio Mirror on for the entire season. Too, it's so good. So. It's it's amazing what they do that isn't CG. You know, they mm-hmm. enhance some stuff like the big airships end up being CG. Sometimes the Sotomobile sure, chases. Sure. Um, but I, I was really taken by the car chase that Lynn is in. Just a very brief car chase when she's catching the two triad boys that Sue runs with. Um, that little car chase I thought was really expertly done and all 2d animation if i if i remember correctly just like her weaving in and out of cars and coming towards yeah. frame and going away from frame is like a really easy dynamic move on the part of the animators mm-hmm. um you just don't see that especially in our 3d animation culture where everything seems to be I... I mean, we can't get close to the camera, right? They're always faking it with depth of field, like the the image of a camera lens actually creating depth. We don't yeah. ne- we don't ever feel objects moving towards us, even in three D movies where we're wearing these glasses. The whole point is that it should be kind of popping off the screen in some way, and everything is so stagnant. And here, without the aid of three D, we have an object coming at us. It feels really energetic. I yeah. I must applaud that. It's very um, good. It's very good. It's so good. And you know what? As a tangent, I just saw the Congress, which is oh my god, I, th- I think an amazing example of what two D animation. There's definitely computer generated work in there too, but the the two D animation styling of that portion of the film is phenomenal. So I think horror fans <laughs> try that movie will also blow your mind because it is that, that movie blew my mind, years. melted my mind. S- so good. No, I'll never um, be the same. That movie. It's not for everybody. Radical. There, there's no big action scenes, but it is pretty. It's pretty amazing, and shows what we could do with animation today. It really made me miss great glossy 2D animation. Like we're even losing that on the anime side. It's just. It's kind of sad. Um, I have a totally. Don Ham. Um. Should we should we talk about Janora and her like Sally Draper moment? And <laughs> yes, yes. Sure. I was going to ask you that because actually someone in my our comments also said that uh, Kiernan Shipkra had channeled Sally Draper in this in this yeah. second episode. That, that was Daniel, by the way. I want to give people shout outs. Um, but yes, please please expand on this idea because I do not watch Mad Men. Right. Well, she. she uh, I know. She called. She well, she called Tenzin out. It was not quite a, a, a Sally Draper moment because if it were, she would have exposed Tenzin for the throne of lies that he sits on, which he doesn't. He sits sure. on a throne of truths and autism. But like truths and terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, she she's just basically trying to establish herself as a, a grown up young lady who wants to get tattoos. And um <laughs> Literally, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, literally. And I mean I thought of you, Joanna. Wait, do you have a tattoo? I have two tattoos. Ooh. Oh, ooh. Um, but is that too Kai, revealing for this podcast? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Don't Depends on where they are. Okay, Don't we're not going to reveal tattoos, that. Kids, don't get cat- tattoos. Um, <laughs> Until you're 16. Yeah, I was 18. So there you, oh, there you go. Um, Kai, I think we can still all agree, right? That Kai is not 100 percent working as a character. Yeah, but he, uh, I. I I see them trying to make it work, you know, I, and I, I like that I'm a little conflicted about his um, scamp nature, his rebelliousness, right? You want – everyone needs someone like Kai in their life to kind of open this door to be bad because being bad is necessary, right? To break the rules every once in a while and, and get in trouble. Getting in trouble is essentially growing up, sure, stepping out sure. the door without an idea of what you're going to do and then and have something blow up in your face. That's how you grow as a person. But I don't know why Kai – kind of rubs me the wrong way maybe he's too he seems too adventurous and too manipulative of her in some way to be like you're great yeah. you're a master you're every bit as good as your father no yeah. not no we're not quite there yet yeah. come on um and the the sky bison or the air bison stuff and the um the poachers oh my god i don't know the like the poachers seem like they should be characters we knew because it was like tight close up on this guy's back. And I'm like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be like some callback to the original series that I'm not going to get? And all the guys are going to get it. But <laughs> it's no, old Poacher like- McGee from Avatar. <laughs> they're, random- they're back. <laughs> they're just random poachers, right? Random villains of the week. I, I like that. That felt very Avatar The Last Airbender to me. The whole episode did, which is why I – I don't know if I'm excusing it for taking a huge deviation and just like telling a very it's not necessarily like a bottle episode, but it's in a, terms of an animated show, it kind yeah. of is. We'll probably um, never see that guy again, you know. No, but I like that because that's what Avatar that's how Avatar spice it up. You know, they have this huge narrative, but sometimes they're walking through the woods and they run into a huge problem. Uh, and in this case, poachers. 
who can lock oh, up geez. the airbenders in cages without being getting their butts kicked somehow. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess they threw nets on them. Through nets, yeah. What I, what I find funny too is uh, there are a couple things. I, I I question this thing the uh, Tenzin's idea that if you're bald, you can feel the air better. But I don't know. I don't know. Wait, what do you guys think about You've that? You've never been bald. I love have that you? action moment though. <laughs> it was a great action moment. <laughs> when his scalp ripples, I was like, okay. That was a little <laughs> Matrix. I'm not sure if that's legit, guys, but uh, but it was good comedy too yeah, because when that guy was like, "This was optional," and what? <laughs> no, but we need that's that. That's another right? move. It was like Tencent. You're not you're not communicating <laughs> with people what what you actually want, and then you get frustrated when they don't give you something you you're thinking of. You but know? this it's, is, I mean, this is thing. a big problem that yeah. uh, that that faith hits this wall, that education hits this wall, mm-hmm. like trying to bring something archaic into the fold for, for modern people, this is, a, this is a realistic plight. And so by having that moment where this guy, the bald guy who unwillingly <laughs> was shaven, um, he, him, for him to actually put that to use and to see it work, it, Tenzin needs to be right a little bit. Tenzin needs to, if, if yeah. what he's saying is true and it's just a communication issue, he has to get things right once in a while, and that was kind I of a vindication he, he of Tenzin. He's a little wiser than he has been, though. That's the only thing. He is wise. He's just thrown off. I mean, he's just we, bad we, with humans. <laughs> he's good with meditation and bad with humans. Yeah, he's bad with spirits uh, too. He's mm-hmm. pretty bad at everything. <laughs> yeah, can he, he compromise and just give them mohawks? You know, so <laughs> that they feel the wind on the side of their scalp, but still get to keep that would like, be awesome. cool. Yeah. And see them go fight that uh that Mad Max band of bandits. <laughs> yes. A Giant Mohawk throwdown. Yeah. Uh, I just have such sympathy for Tenzin. I can't believe you're going after him. I love Tenzin. He's just not be they're not doing much with him this season. Well, and he'll I probably feel die, like right? As, Tenzin dies. <laughs> hashtag. Tenzin will probably die at some point, guys. The master has to die for the student to uh right. to thrive. That's that's and classic. Maybe, yeah, and maybe that's the um the problem with this season is is that Cora doesn't need him, mm-hmm. right? So that role. I mean, last season she rejected him, but hastily, too soon. Yeah. She still needed him, and this season she's really showing that she doesn't seem to need him. And so his role is bringing up this, the, you know, Avatar: The New Class or whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> and <laughs> like, well, that's just not as interesting when it's not hooked into the main plot, and I, it'll probably hook back in. Sure, that's sure. what they did last season; it all hooked back in. But um, you know, maybe maybe the little the new recruits will come and rescue Cora somehow, but clumsily. But, I wonder uh, if this is an effect from binge watching these episodes because I found it really refreshing in a way that <laughs> uh, you know I was very frustrated with book two and how tied to the plot every episode was, like even. Um, the Mako and Asami themed detective mm-hmm. episode was just pushing this plot forward, and there were so many moving elements that needed to conclude. Here, I was, I found it really refreshing to kind of just let's shade Tenzin in a way and see how frustrating it can be, and how an impossible task this is to see a new skill reintroduced and have to teach it to people. Being the only person who can be a teacher, that's such a, a tremendous weight to have on your shoulders. And Tenzin is unprepared because he just never, he never saw it coming um, to have to be in this position and mm-hmm. to see him kind of be the pendulum. You know, he's he's the staunch, um, faithful one. The, the guiding light and being meditative and being really boring uh, or, and then trying to be like full metal jacket, boot camp, screaming <laughs> at people. I, I called uh, him – he was McGonagall to Snape in this episode. <laughs> uh, he went all, that, the whole spectrum. Ermy, the Ermy thing going. Um, what's the name of his youngest son or his only Milo. Son? Milo, Milo should be in charge. Obviously, Milo is the best. He was a little bit. <laughs> look to your left. Look to your right. One of one of these people is not going to survive. Yeah, that was scary. <laughs> Everything they do with Milo is amazing. So yeah. good. Uh, and I like that they the Airbender obstacle course is basically American Ninja Warrior, <laughs> which yeah. I didn't think of, I probably would not have thought about that if this woman who was on the show recently yeah. didn't kick its butt. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, but it, I, for some reason, American Ninja warrior, not a show I watch, but a show that is obviously an influence here. Last step leap over this mountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all you guys have to do. <laughs> uh, but like the, this teacher position and, and having him not really know how to do it. It's important to his relationship with Boomy, 
right? Like, we need this moment. Mm -hmm. We need to keep throwing Tenzin off because he thought life was perfect and that he was the great son of Aang. And it really isn't like that. He keeps, mm -hmm. he, we need to keep capping him at the knees in order for him to learn. <laughs> I but mean, reason, yeah. it, it should be more endearing than yeah. frustrating, you yeah. know? And, and that's where there's a slight disconnect for me. And maybe it's a result of, of binge watching. I don't know, but like, yeah, I want to be like, oh, Tenzin, you'll get it right. Instead of like, really, Tenzin, you can't read those social cues at all, like <laughs> at all. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't yeah. think it's binge watching because we saw this last season, um, and with some of the Tenzin specific plot points, and then earlier this season too, like with the the whole journey to actually go find the Airbenders in the first couple episodes, Tenzin just kept kept like spewing his spiel and he did not do anything to change it until like they suggested i think it was cora um but someone suggested like maybe we should try this a little differently um yeah cora so, suggested I, I just going endlessly. to boomy and going to Janora. Yeah. i love that she thinks she's like conflict resolution it's what i do i just heard all yeah, the cora haters true. in the world go like Ugh! <laughs> but it's true that she is the dalai lama yeah i really love cora Aww. I don't. I don't understand why people don't like her. Uh, I don't so get great. it. I really don't get Cora hate. It makes me like, very mad, as you know. I I really liked how human she was when she was just so mad at the Earth Queen, and she's like, "Ah, oh, that Earth Queen has been lying to me again and again." Yeah, people people are upset that she would like growl or scream or oh like God. when she's alone, be really frustrated. I'm like, do you live in the real world, people? This is what I do. Like right after the episodes when everyone's hating on her, I go in a corner. I go. Yeah, I actually. I, so I miss most of the stuff. I guess I just don't. I don't follow the online commentary because this is the thing. It may be just because of the audience for Cora or something may skew a little younger. I don't know. It's it's yeah. Tough they're about to. They're about to yeah. experience all of this. It's tough when your heroes don't adhere to the like paradigm of uh, I don't know of being truly always noble. Um, I think even with uh, even with the original series, Ang, you know he he had few flaws. You know he was maybe a little careless. He wasn't as serious as he needed to be, but he was a pretty ideal hero, right? He was he was just like a sweet kid who always wanted to do the right thing. Whereas Korra feels like she has more human flaws, and she's much older. So yeah, it's going to lead to different conflicts, guys. Get over it. Yeah, just remember. Yeah. Luke Skywalker panders to your expectations of heroism. Yeah. Sure. Feel bad yeah, about liking the Tashi Luke station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the growl, the best growling though was Lynn. Lynn gave like a <laughs> growl response to something that was so delightful. It was yeah. so much fun. She like snarled. Expert it was snarler. Yeah. 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 So by the way, are we just going to leave the earth queen thing alone? Like, That's is there no gonna like, come back? No, I'm that's going to come back. I mean, she's declared like, war. Yeah. And, and the that, poachers were bringing yes, the bison to her. So, to like, her. you know, she's still on the radar. They kept so her. What's going to happen here? Like, is she going to team up with the hero and crew <laughs> to, I don't know, do something? Or is she not that evil? Well, maybe know. they'll, I like, just... incite war. Maybe they'll try and kidnap Korra while the Earth Queen descends upon her Oy. in some ways. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like, because it, it keeps coming back, right? The Metal Clan, mm -hmm. Su Yin does not like the Earth Queen. She made a very... Sure. There's yeah. a pointed line where it's like, why do we even have a queen? Uh, so you know something's going to go So liberal there. arts, cool mom. I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to study. You hippie roommate. You're trying to do your art. <laughs> Anti-establishment. trying to make this banana sculpture. I can't even do it. Um, but, yeah, having the poachers connected to the queen seems That's something. On is, uh, is Dander going to be her ultimate downfall? <laughs> is Dander? <laughs> Yeah, pet fur. It's animal dander. Yeah. <laughs> animal dander. It'll be like War of the Worlds, except Although she loves meat. She loves she loves wild meat and strange sure. exotic meats. She ate Bosco the bra the bear. Can we talk about this? <laughs> she ate her father's pet bear. I don't understand. How can you be so cruel? That that hit like Cruella DeVille level for me. That's just awful. Yeah, a little. A and little, and seeing yeah. sky bison pelts made me weep. I was just so <laughs> affected by that. Mm-hmm. Um, Devinder, were you delighted? Oh, I guess it's Dave who is the the biggest fan of Pabu comedy. I love Pabu. I love them all. But yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Pabu? But Pabu in Bolin shirt is maybe the best Pabu. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a spinoff waiting to happen. 
<laughs> Pabu Hiding Pabu in a shirt. shirt. Yeah. Or a Pabu <laughs> Rocket Raccoon crossover. That's yes. awesome. Okay. Yes. Oh, great. I'd love yeah, to yeah. see that. Um, All of a sudden, Pabu gets airbending. Oh. Yeah, that's all of book four. The spirit and the animals have powers now. Yeah. Uh, Did they ever say before, by the way, Sky Bison were the original airbenders? Oh, yeah, that was an interesting line. Yeah. That was like a throwaway. Oh, by the way, retcon, midichlorians. <laughs> no, I thought that's always been the case. That didn't really? strike me. I feel like maybe in Air, in Avatar The Last Airbender, I, I guarantee there are people listening to this who can inform us sure, and will sure. shame us, actually, about not knowing this fact. But I feel like they've mentioned something about the Sky Bison being the originals. That sounds like something Aang would have said over time. Does um, that mean like dragons are the first firebenders? Uh, See, there you go. So what were the first waterbenders? Be- yeah, penguins. Those those penguins Whales. that they sled on. <laughs> Whales and their spouts. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway. But but let's talk about just the ending of this episode. Um, I was really I really enjoyed the action here. We briefly mentioned the air bending being kind of reintroduced into this world and seeing it in action. We just have never seen it before. And I love mm-hmm. seeing all this like ragtag team of airbenders swooping in and saving the day led by Boomy, uh, nonetheless. And, and, um, you know, I, it made me think of Jedi, uh, unleashed. What is that game called? Devendra? Which one? Force unleashed. The force unleashed. Yeah. Okay. Jedi unchained. Yes. Yes. Exa- <laughs> well, exactly. So, you know, the problem with star Wars has been that, they set a they set rules in the seventy seven movie, right? And ever since, it's about upping the game in some ways. Now, now Jedi can do this, or like a, a Jedi could bring down an entire star destroyer with his mind, sure. uh, and that bothers me. It's like you're not playing by the rules anymore. You're just expanding them to fit whatever next venture you have, and to make it look cooler. I'm so glad that Kura has not had that problem. Uh, like seeing. Um, the kids sky ball into this fight and like carry other airbenders on a sky ball. And then they whoosh two guys away or just like the, the powers they're, they're showing off. Don't feel like, uh, like, like crass expansions of the powers <laughs> set before, but natural organic mm-hmm. extensions. I don't know if, if you ever think about something like that. But. I mean, I, I think it's a little more gradual, but you will definitely have to see them escalate the capabilities of airbending at some point. Like that was the whole point of metal bending, right? Metal bending. You remember when I remember that episode too in the original series where Toph discovered that I was like, oh man, that's kind of brilliant. And I love how they're, they're just positioning this. She was at that point, she, you know, she was kind of a, she was an interesting tag along character, but she became a legitimately great addition to that universe. But it when doesn't she feel more powerful, bending. does it? Like why, why well, do I have I mean, a problem with, Force Unleashed, and I don't have a problem with well, Force Unleashed went a little too far. So yeah, just for context for people like that, that scene, that game has a scene, I think the opening scene where the lead character manages to bring down the Star Destroyer with the Force, which always seemed a little ridiculous given, you know, the limitations we've seen. I don't think we've seen this series go that far, but you know, Korra did turn into a giant kaiju last season. So (laughs) fair enough. Things do escalate. I I did forget about that. Yeah, that is. I don't have (laughs) <laughs> I don't have experience with with a Star Wars game or, or or that context, but for me, the problem with Star Wars has always been what we've seen from the films. You know, the the, the second trilogy was a prequel, mm-hmm. and yet everyone could do more. Whereas this is uh, the time is in the opposite direction in terms of like it makes sense for powers to be more advanced as we get further and further into the future away from uh, what we know from the Avatar series. Mm-hmm. You know, th- so this is evolution, whereas in Star Wars, it's like, why could everyone do so much more in the past than they can do now? I understand that, like, the Jedi had sort of died out. Anyway, I, that's probably me. I should not try to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, that's I'm one thing. I guess uh, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars, by the way, like, now that we're talking about Korra, I do want to recommend, like, that. Did you guys ever see that initial run of the Star Wars Clone Wars, the 2D version by Gendy Tartakovsky? The 2D version is brilliant. I didn't so care good. for the 3D version. I did, it's, it's actually not bad. It's just not the same. But uh, if you try and track that down, because uh, so Gendy Tartakovsky, the guy who did Dexter's Laboratory and Power puff girls did this amazing like rendition of star wars with 2d animation and it it reminds me a lot of what we're seeing in Korra too because some of the action in those episodes are kind of fantastic um and amazing uh, but probably 
in in like the books and the cartoons and the games, we basically see you know Jedi fly, and that doesn't really happen as much in the movies. So. <laughs> Aside, although we, check out Star Wars we've seen Firebenders fly in Korra, they like That's jet true. flames out of their shoes. I hope we they see more of that. <laughs> Iron Man it up. Yeah. Oh, Iron Man. That's a better. Firebenders better. flying and Airbenders flying, and you know. Earthbenders earth, throwing themselves into the air. Earthbenders can create uh, stools <laughs> yeah. to sit on out of the earth. They can launch <laughs> themselves into the air. Yeah. <laughs> like Bolin did. He's yeah. like, I'm just going to make a little stool out of earth and sit here. <laughs> it's really cool. cool. The Yeah, the wonders. of the, You would never see that in a Star Wars movie. No one has the creativity to be like, remember these powers can be used for little things too. Like get I me a beer, things. open the refrigerator with, with air <laughs> bending or something. Um, you know, I just to wrap this up, Devendra, you know, at the end of this episode – Tenzin has another great education moment. Look, mm-hmm. I need to keep giving him credit. Uh, Kai is about to beat the crap out of the main poacher guy after kind of blowing his truck over. Uh, and, 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 and Tenzin stops him, right? Tenzin sure. goes back to the, these mantras of airbending. An airbender never attacks a defenseless opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a very good technique, you know. You <laughs> see him balancing out. Yeah. Uh, isn't this – don't we need this episode that to, line to reclaim was- Tenzin for the people who <laughs> like him? I mean, for one line and one scene, maybe. I mean, I, I do think anybody who is standing by and watching Kai about to kill somebody would be like, hey, dude, chill. Like, let's let's not go there yet. Let's save that for the uh, the sequels where you become the you know, bad guy or something or the anti-hero who's used airbending to kill somebody, which I don't know if we've seen anybody kill directly using bending yet. In this show? That's, that's going to be like a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes moment, isn't it? Well, to see bending. Human work. Um, <laughs> not even with like the Bender blood. Bender work. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to think work. if we've seen anyone be killed. I don't know how Jet died. I don't think Jet was killed yeah. by... Um, by bending. Amon, yeah. Amon was blown up. Um, but directly somebody being killed by bending, I don't know. So I didn't. I, I just, I, I think it's great that Tenzin kind of stepped in there with a nice little uh, air bending philosophy bit. But that also seems like a very human thing. Like, kid, you're, you're, let's not do this. Also, <laughs> don't become Anakin Skywalker. To- yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about, I know it was in, Technically, in last week's group of episodes, but we haven't talked about Varric coming back. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention that because I yeah. didn't know if you guys thought this whole magnet thing would be like a continuing. Is this going to come back? Is this going to swoop in and be the answer to some future problem, or I, is yeah, this I mean, just a gag? I think the magnet's going to save the yeah. city. Yeah, probably. And magnets, I think, will be as important to this universe as metal bending was, because that's the logical continuation, right, of all this. And I know understanding the further powers of the world and that even the benders can't see uh, magnets. He he was talking about what doing like a high speed rail using magnets, monorail. Um, But at some point, I can imagine that, uh, you know, you know, somebody would want to wear one of those suits that could actually fly or something. Whoa. It'll happen. Talk about Iron Man. Talk um, about Iron Man. The uh, yeah, I, that has to. You can't mention that work with magnets and not have that come back in a big way. Yeah, like when Zaheer attacks a city or something like that. You um, close up the the metal. Uh, the blo- I guess it looks like a flower, right? So you would close the petals with magnets. Mm-hmm. He can't get in. Bending yeah, can't compete was- with technology. That's a really scary. Oh idea. yeah, magnet bending will be technology bending, wouldn't it? Straight up technology bending. Like anybody can put anymore. on, anybody can put on the suit, like the glove that uh, that Asami used to wear. Uh, but anybody can put on the suit and have a decent ability to control their natural world or something. Oh That's man, a, I wonder if book four is all technophobia. <laughs> oh man, that would be cool. magnets. Magnets. Uh, yeah, I live in a world where I can't hear the word <laughs> magnets. magnets yeah. I can't hear the word magnets yes. without thinking of the insane clown posse. Exactly. Sad. A sad what? existence. <laughs> I was also thinking of that line from uh, from the graduate. Yeah, the future is magnets. <laughs> and he totally he totally delivered it like that. Plastic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I like him being back and cropping up in that <laughs> way. It felt it felt fine to me. Yeah. It could have felt really gimmicky, but I thought it worked. It's so. also funny that Suyin is once again getting herself in line with criminals, and <laughs> maybe not. Well, as that's bad what made her so suspicious to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why? How could? 
Why would you think that's okay to harbor a criminal who tried to assassinate Anne, the president? Plus, it's Anne Heche, who's shifty. We don't trust her. Oh, yeah. She's an amazing voice actress. I never yes. really thought about it. Um, but, I, I mean, I love her in movies and TV shows and that sort of stuff. But, she, yeah, you're absolutely right. She has a layered performance, which is mm-hmm. very hard to do. Um, speaking to Varric, though, one of our, our iTunes reviewers, Fuji500, thinks that they might be overcompensating with humor this season. Which I don't know if I agree with. I, I always think the nah. Bolin material works. The Varric material makes it pop and kind of throw away gags with Boomy. Boomy doesn't suffocate scenes for me. I think he really mm-hmm. accentuates them. If anything, it really pops the drama when when someone has yeah. a sly line. But but if we do want to if we do want to play like a Cora like hot cocoa based drinking game, um, maybe <laughs> just every a very time, nice like, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. Take a love, I'm getting some buzz with chocolate, sip. guys. <laughs> Take a lovely warming sip from your hot cocoa uh, every time a character slide does the slide out of frame. I think it's there's okay. a lot more of the slide out of frame. Than yeah. The year, one so. from the first er, a couple episodes with uh, with Tenzin just like sliding yeah. out as the relationship. I, so uh, I need to make that like an avatar on my Twitter or something because it's just <laughs> like, a great little thing. Kai did it like they, when when Janora was like, Kai said that <laughs> oh, I should have tattoos. Great. I did it, but then Boomy did it too. Boomy's yeah. on the ground, and like I don't <laughs> understand the physics of how Boomy slid away. It's like the moonwalk. But, it's like yeah. the moonwalk. Same science. He, he can airbend now. He could just airbend himself out. <laughs> yes, that's a bending. Oh man, it's it's a very anime maneuver actually. Too, yeah, so yeah. maybe that's something Studio Mirror's plugging in there. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Uh, well, why, why don't we wrap this up by, I wonder if there's very little moments that you guys would mention about these two episodes that popped just little, something, something that you liked about these and anything come to mind? Devendra? I think I had something and on the tip of my oh tongue my God, and fail. it's, it's kind of disappearing fail right band. now. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, to the humor thing. I was going to respond to that. I do think it's fun to see the humor back in this series because we spent the past couple seasons dealing with, you know, the fate of Republic City and the fate of the world. And now it's like, yeah, book two know, is especially dour. Yeah. Way. And now we, we have a chance to step back and it's more of a personal problem. Like nobody's, you know, setting out to conquer or destroy the world. Somebody's trying to assassinate Korra. And that's a little, it's a little bit of a more personal problem. I love to see her handling that, but it's less of a, uh, you know, world stakes being involved and that allows them to open up. So uh, I think it's a good thing that we're back to the funny a bit. It's like original avatar. Joanna. Um, well, if, if this is indeed a show for kids, which it is. So to recap, what stay in school, don't get tattoos, drink hot cocoa, but <laughs> The the greatest message that I thought was delivered in the last couple episodes, and it might have been from the tail end of last week, was was Bolin and and Opal. Oh God, I'm and, so glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you didn't, but yes, keep. It yeah, <laughs> and him being so weird, and her just being like, "I do like you, be yourself." And I just, I really, really loved that scene. I love her as a character already, and I thought it was just a great message for all the fraught teenage relationships we've seen on this show to have this really good message of like, yeah, when you like someone, it can be awkward and upsetting, but like being yourself is really the coolest thing to do. And she keeps calling him out on being weird and I quite like it. So mm-hmm. can I, can I ask you a question? I mean, I don't think Dave and I wanted to dive into this too much. Oh, I actually as don't the remember. resident, as the resident <laughs> female. Yeah. Well, no I'm not going to call you the <laughs> resident female, but I will call you the only female of this podcast. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I think I rambled on in our, our preseason show about how much I like how this show kind of subtly confronts gender, modern gender, stereotypes and, and standards and politics. Um, two things in this episode, though, I was, I was really curious about or how, how you think Bolin and the Opal, like, we're, we're such in a moment about, like, preying on women and how – we really men need to be careful about that in some ways that men have an idea of how they should court women or how they should interact with them and how we could be overstepping our bounds. I don't know if you thought about anything of that in that moment. You know, it's not just about being awkward. It's about like what Bolin thinks he should be doing with a, with a girl that he likes. I don't I don't know if that crossed your mind at all. Uh, it did. Well, I it felt like a meta reaction to the fan reaction to what Bolin did last season. Mm-hmm. With the with the transgressive kiss and whether or not that was 
mm. you know, transgressive of him in that in that context of the mover where he kissed what Ginger is that her name? Right. Um, you know, and a lot of people uh, fan wise, I didn't, but a lot of people fan wise had a huge problem with that. Um, and I thought that this was a an in-show lesson for Boleyn of like, even though Boleyn is a good guy, he is, but good guys do transgressive stuff all the time. And for Opal to give him this very good lesson, which is not exactly directly addressing that thing that happened, but just, yeah, just in general being like, maybe not trying to have game, maybe not running a game, maybe just seeing this as us being friends. And then there was that later Bolin moment where he's like, look at us sharing our feelings, being supportive of each other, like basically defining a healthy relationship uh, when he was talking about what he and Opal were doing for each other. Um, Yeah. I I just thought it was a really good message and Mm -hmm. maybe addressing some of the stuff that cropped up last season. Yeah, I, I you know, Cora has defined itself as having really strong female characters and asking questions about the female experience. Um, but I'm also glad to see it questioning the male experience, too, and especially through Bolin. I mean, in this episode where he's kind of back and forth over, uh, why haven't I learned metal bending yet? If I'm going to learn it, I'm, I already would have. I'm like a failure because I can't uh-huh. try. I can't learn it. I can't learn this task. I should I, either be born with it. He's, he's emasculated by the fact that he doesn't... Uh, no metal bending. I just feel like that's a very true experience for mm-hmm. a lot of young boys about what they should and shouldn't be able to do as yeah. future men, right? Yeah. It's it's funny, though, how that just came out of nowhere. I feel like we've never heard Bolin talk about metal bending or regret his lack of metal bending experience before, even though they were in the middle of Republic City and metal bending kind of like ruled the world, I guess, or kind of controlled the city. So it it was good to see. I just wish it was seeded earlier, but maybe they didn't think about that. Why would he bring it up also? I mean, the way he harbors this guilt. Secret I'm, shame. Secret shame. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that it hasn't come up before because of how much shame just, he feels. I'd like to see him, like, pine after it at some point. Like, even in season one, like, yeah, I think you look at this, right? It's like, uh, back to technology, right? It's like, uh, if you're good with computers and you can program, all of a sudden, you can get a high-paying job, your life's a huge success, you know, you're set for life. If you can metal bend in the core universe, I think uh, that's they already said like only a fraction of Earth that's like can metal bend. knowing Pearl. Exactly. <laughs> that's like knowing like an obscure. That's like being able to literally build the future. Uh-huh. Um, so I do think like that's kind of a big thing. I maybe they're just not thinking about it. I just would have liked like one line in the very first season to like at least hint that Bolin was thinking about that because we see metal thought. bending everywhere. Yeah. I also like that Suyin was like that's nonsense, right? Yeah. That yeah. it's one in a hundred people. Yeah, that was a rumor, actually. Yeah, that's not Yeah. <laughs> that was only a rumor. That was only a rumor. We're going we're to retcon that. Anyone yeah. can metal bend, even you, Boleyn. So. Well, anyone can airbend now, right? Or that's slowly becoming true. People yeah. can airbend, not everyone. Uh, and, slowly and but surely. For, for my own little shout out, one, I, I need to mention this final shot of baby Sky Bison learning to fly mm-hmm. um, or treading air. That's what the right. They're just like mm-hmm. in the air trying to make it work. And yeah. I just wanted to um, uh, live the moment that I had when I saw this for the first time, if you don't mind. Like this is my imitation of myself in that moment. Eee, oh my God. <laughs> I kind of, it was a very squee <laughs> moment for me. Like I'm trying to walk for the first time. Yeah. It is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. Um, and I and then I opened up that picture of us sitting around with the baby sky bison, Aww. blueberry spice head, blueberry spice yeah. head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I then I like thought, the oh my god, they're wearing pelts. It's just <laughs> awful, awful, uh. awful. Uh, and they, I, I wanted to mention Maybe they're vegan pelts. They're fur. vegan pelts. Oh yeah, they're they're yeah, faux, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. faux fur, <laughs> pleather. Um, <laughs> The one, the one other thing I wanted to mention, I really, I haven't done enough research here, um, but I, I realized I don't know, I, I, I fell into a Wikipedia rabbit hole, to be quite honest, um, starting with looking up John Woo movies about triads, you know, actual oh. Chinese. All of them? What? All of them? Uh, most of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So these, they yeah, these tried, organized yeah. crime uh, Chinese most Chinese Hong Kong like most Chinese um, crime films are about the triads in some some form which basically. I definitely think this um, I mean Cora in general tips its hat to right all these sure, Chinese yeah. crime films the but, first season especially yeah. and then I found out about the White Lotus and how it's a real thing 
Mm-hmm. Is that on oh. your radar? I've heard things, yeah. Um, they were a religious and political <laughs> David movement. David has heard. I've heard. Th- I mean, I've heard. It's a thing. I've heard in history like books. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So please sorry, start again. Educate me. No. Well, I was just going to say that the White Lotus was this religious and political movement um, appealing to the Han Chinese, according to this Wikipedia entry that I was reading, uh, who found solace in worship of the unborn or eternal venerable mother. Uh, who was to gather all her children at the millennium into one family. And I, I really need to go down this path and learn more about the actual White Lotus because I do think it's related <laughs> to what we're experiencing here because, you know, we have now uh, – Zaheer and his gang are the Red Lotus, right? This has now been right. solidified by the the future episode names. The last episode actually calls them the Red Lotus apparently. Um, and the White Lotus, uh, they had a revolution – and it was it was tucked into this thing called the Red Turban Rebellion, uh, which so the White Lotus Society had this uprising, and from that, ha- the Red Turban mm-hmm. Rebellion was a thing. And I have not done the research to even get into this. I want to That's next really episode, but everybody yeah. go read these Wikipedia pages <laughs> and let, let's talk about this because I wonder if there are parallels to what we're experiencing because we've been is, very yeah. it's been very fuzzy about what Zahir mm-hmm. is after. And his motivations for kidnapping Korra, and like it seems to be a religious thing for him, or not not a religious thing, a spiritual thing, because he keeps talking spiritual about thing, yeah. the you know the Buddha standing here in mm-hmm. some way. So I'm curious about wh- how, where that parallels, and also how that the Earth Queen might fit into that, um, sure, because sure. some people were talking about um, the 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 mandate of what is it called, uh, mandate of heaven, and the earth queen being tied to that. So I feel like mm-hmm. there's a ton of Chinese historical stuff that's totally off my radar. I sure. know people who listen to this show can fill in the blanks for me or start this conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm more uh, putting that into the stream here than anything. Um, yeah. And the I think the white oh. Lotus, by the way, shows up like in a lot of films too, in a lot of Kung Fu films. It's a, it's one of those things that shows up quite a bit, but uh, the thing about Zaheer, and I think I mentioned this before is that, uh, you know, if the white Lotus in this universe exists to protect the avatar, like that seems to be their sole purpose, protect the avatar at all costs. Uh, I always assumed the red Lotus was about the balance of that. So trying to remove a world with the avatar. Yeah. They're trying to kill the avatar. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that's yeah. Go- it's a good push pull like we had mm-hmm. last season with the spirits, no spirits. So right, a world right. with an avatar, a world without avatar. Yeah, it's a yin and, and yang of these plots. Yeah, but have. it's like, is the world without uh, an avatar like is that an advocacy for chaos? Is that what you want? Or See, is there an- it doesn't seem that way in Zahir's case. It seems like he personally believes with his own spirituality that if there's no avatar, perhaps this is all theory mm-hmm. that that the world will be in balance. The world's off balance with an avatar, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. Maybe he missed the memo after uh, <laughs> yeah. spiritual the the whole harmony harmonic thing. convergence. Yeah. He yeah. didn't realize what happened. That he actually. was at a cage. Yeah. It's like, oh wait, you mean? Oh, she already balanced the world. Oh, well, isn't this awkward? He just walks. He just walks <laughs> away. Sorry, guys, totally missed that. Wish yeah. wish someone had let me know. Didn't get the <laughs> didn't get the paper that day. Yeah, the free USA Today that comes every morning at my <laughs> at my, my prison cell. With my rice, my one bowl of rice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that about wraps things up on this week's Republic City Dispatch. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet, starting with Davindra? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Davindra. I write about tech every day at venturebeat.com, and I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Joanna? Uh, you can find me most days at VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This, or you can listen to my other podcast about television, The Station Agents. And I will be part of another podcast starting soon, temporarily. It's exciting. Mm. We'll let you know. Uh, and I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet and try and put all my work at mattpatches.com. And this season I'm um, recapping, reviewing Cora for screencrush.com. So check those out. And uh, I am on another podcast, a pop culture podcast called Fighting in the War Room, which you can find at fightinginthewarroom.com. And until next week, farewell. Farewell.